Hello, adventurers, and welcome to the World of Azuria podcast. My name is Beth Ball, and I'm the author of the Age of Azuria High Fantasy series, which we'll be exploring in this show. In some episodes, we'll be swept away into the high fantasy world of Azuria as I read chapters from the novels or short stories and lore. And others will dive into some of the lore behind Azuria and, I hope, answer your questions about the world, characters, and more. If you enjoy high fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. In our first season, we'll explore Aurora, the prequel novel for the Age of Azuria high fantasy series. In episode one, we went through chapter one of Aurora, and we pick up today with chapter two. So let's start our adventure. Rydell leaned toward her crystal sphere. Where was the human woman going, moving away from the elf? He was running up the stairs and she... The orbs in her light brightened. She had stepped outside the house to speak with her friend, who was standing at the edge of the woods. What are you doing? The one named Amelie strode over to her friend with the long, chestnut-brown hair. Aurelia, the friend, narrowed her eyes and tilted her head to the side. What do you mean? You keep encouraging him. Amelie's lips narrowed, her face compressed into a scowl. Encouraging a charming diplomat to be kind to my dearest friend by showing curiosity and interest in her and her home? Yes, of course I am. Aurelia, I can't. Amelie shook her head. Her friend placed her hand on the blonde woman's shoulder. No one is asking you to do anything except be a gracious host for our kingdom. You've told me before that you wanted to travel. Yes, but not like this. Aurelia sighed. You have a better chance of getting to know another place by talking to him. It can't do any harm. Are things truly so bad with Calderon that you're this worried when someone is kind to you? Calderon and I are fine. Amelie, how many years have you been saying that? Aurelia shook her head and led Amelie back toward the door to the stone house. Not everyone can be Frederick, can they? Amelie leaned on Aurelia's shoulder as they walked. Which one of the humans was Frederick? So many of them at this gathering, and she was supposed to remember all of their names? Aurelia smiled broadly at Amelie's mention of Frederick, whoever he was, likely her partner by her reaction. That is very true. She patted her friend's hand, nodding. But you deserve to find happiness, and until the king invites us to move to court, you will remain in need of company and companionship. Master Thimir cannot take my place, obviously, so you needn't worry about hurting my feelings. Amelie laid her hand on the door handle and smiled at, smiled at her friend. Very well, but I am only doing this for you. Aurelia raised an eyebrow and watched Amelie return inside. Rydell whispered to her seeing orb to follow. The elf was in the middle of saying something, but she had missed the beginning of the statement. Sorry, I didn't hear you, Amelie called from the lowest floor. Her heels clicked on the wooden boards as she crossed the room and rounded the corner to the base of the stairs. I was wondering what you were still doing down there. The elf smiled widely as he leaned over the railing above. How am I to navigate this wonderful collection without the aid of its curator? Amelie grinned and hurried up the stairs after him. Rydell took a step back from the seeing orb. The warped reflection of her eyes showed her blinking back at herself. Was that all? Had she missed a crucial event of some sort? After years of service, she had been entrusted with supervising an elven ambassador flirting with a human noblewoman? Surely Lucian had something else in mind for her mission. She shook her head and strode away, prowling around the edges of the round room. She ran her hand down her smooth lilac arm, tugging at the black off-the-shoulder strap on the opposite side. 
Why hadn't Lucian simply agreed to her first solution? He was blind to the reality of what stood before them and was overcomplicating his plight unnecessarily. How could a child result if its parents were dead? Lucian had been convinced that interfering at this stage would be tantamount to a breach in the concordance and expose their great mistress. Once the child was born, they could take action. She ran her fingers through her dark, evergreen hair, muttering to herself. He should have contacted her by now. Why keep her waiting? Trumpets sounded outside, signaling a grand procession through the main thoroughfares of Serenia. Riddell threw her head back and stomped out of the inner chamber. She slung the curtains that faced the street closed to strengthen the illusion of being separated from the dissonance of the old city while she worked. The rooms would be stuffier throughout the afternoon, but anyone passing by would assume the third floor of the residence was empty. She smoothed the sides of her garment's corset and held her shoulders back as she re-entered the seeing room. The noise passed, and the well-wishers, who had halted their lives to share in the festivities, returned to a quieter state, a dull murmuring as the crowd mingled in the shaded streets below. Black smoke began to churn inside the orb. Finally, she ran over to await Lucian's appearance. As usual, his yellowed eyes swam forward from the back of his head to fixate on her. All proceeds according to our predictions, Riddell scowled. You led me to believe I had been stationed here so I would be near enough to intervene if there were a resurgence on their part. You said nothing of observing matchmaking among members of a human court. I thought you would be honored by such a task, Riddell. One of the teeth visible through his partially decayed lip disappeared and reemerged as Lucian smiled. A long-awaited enemy arrived at last. She ran her tongue over her doubled canines, disguising her irritation as a moment of reflection instead. It's a baby. Why must we be so close by? Where could it go that would be beyond our grasp? Lucian's eyes flashed. It is what the baby represents, both to our mistress and to those she seeks to subdue. Should I appoint someone else to the task? Nadia, perhaps? No, Riddell growled. He had suggested another Nagata deliberately, trying to aggravate her. I am here, my lord, and honored to do your bidding. We have need of no one else. Her master bowed his head, a smirk tugging at the corner of his upper lip, like it had been hooked in a snare. The smoke swirled, consuming the image of her master inside the sphere and dispersing it to the edges, returning the crystal to a pale gray glow. Riddell resumed her pacing. Surely at some point the situation would move apace. Alessandra couldn't possibly be interested in the domestic happenings at this estate. She would look in on the scowling nobleman and see if his activity offered any greater promise. Lucian believed that the one they called Calderon held potential as a future ally in their endeavors, wittingly or not. She wasn't yet convinced, but time would tell. Rydell murmured her incantation to the smoky orb and searched the estate for Calderon Amastasia. He sat in a dimly lit room in the estate's lower levels with a few other human men and elves, eyeing his companions carefully. Rydell exhaled slowly. They were already testing her patience. Where is your beautiful wife this afternoon, Lord Amastasia? Did she not wish to join our special council? Calderon brushed the matter to the side with a smirk. I believe she is entertaining another of your party, Master Themir, if I recall. The man shrugged. Regardless, I can assure you that matters of business are of little interest to my wife. I try not to bore her with these sorts of things, lest she exaggerate matters and grow concerned. 
The elf beside him nodded. I am certain you know best. Let us speak of more engaging subjects, Lord Amastasia said. You say that you have great holdings in the realms, particularly along the river. You have a good memory, the elf chuckled. And you are correct, Calderon, I do. At the border especially. Our city is much farther inland than yours, similar in some ways to your neighboring kingdom. Hadvar, I believe? Any ship wishing to dock in Thiles Thamor must, first, be light, and second, make it beyond my holdings. I'm sure a man like yourself can deduce the certain promise that offers. The elf leaned closer. What is more, the best transportation in the city is by water along the canals, and my assets include a fleet of gondolas for such a purpose. Our partnership would mean that you deal solely with the finest of our own society, of course, much as I'm sure you would guarantee to me. Calderon raised an eyebrow, considering. Was this lord's bigotry the means by which Lucian hoped to puppet him? I do prefer to keep my own society restricted, though at times I must compromise that preference on behalf of my sovereign. Calderon lowered his voice. He hasn't the same standard as myself, though I trust he will before long. Quite so, quite so, the elf replied. We haven't the same luxury, as our council, being five members instead of one, are not so easily swayed. The human lord patted his companion on the knee. They will come to see in time, Herve, you'll see. Though I do not yet speak for the entirety of our court, be assured that several of the more enlightened of our city-state are relieved to hear of the changes you and your allies seek to bring about in the realms. There is no need for your own people to be polluted by the pale elves from beneath the surface, or to allow those of a wilder heritage into positions of leadership. Your society will soon see the benefit of allowing only the select to rule." That type of precision and determination is precisely what I hope for both our kingdoms, as they take this bold new step toward more sophisticated international relations. Herve, ridiculously named, settled back into his chair with a sigh. He wagged a finger at his companion, a gesture that either meant he was cross or he was both pleased and surprised. I do hope it's as promising as you say, Calderon. The zealots in Envey Eleanor have proven difficult, but we've found allies among the better bred of the Pale Elves who are developing Shaderust into a city the rest of the realms needn't be ashamed of. We have faced some resistance with the nature worshippers in Thiles Thamor and those obsessed with the Fae, similar in some respects to your efforts to adapt your own court to Hedvarian traditions, I believe. But we are making strides. And you have the benefit of so much more time than we do, Calderon observed. Ah, that is kind of you, but I must say, I envy the quick thinking of yourself and your race. So many of the elves are backward-looking and obsessed with our heritage, as they call it, always gazing into the mire of the past. If it weren't for leaders like myself, determined to move our society forward, we wouldn't attain in several centuries what you accomplished in a mere decade. You flatter me, Herb, and I thank you. Calderon crossed his arms loosely and looked about the room. Amelie was difficult to convince at first, but her father saw the promise of our union and believed in my vision for the future of Lenolin. She was persuaded in time, and her family has enjoyed a great increase in their considerable fortune under my management. She may suffer from turns of fancy now and again, but this is to be expected. One handles it as best as one can, Herve added. Their conversation moved toward the intricacies of trade, and Rydell made her exit. 
Perhaps there was a certain promise to using Calderon. Lucian valued determination and cleverness, but the human's understanding of what it meant to be a visionary was sorely lacking. Creatures of all sorts had been pursuing riches through the ages, but their thirst was never sated. The path to power, though, proved much more satisfying, especially when one had an entire world to rule. If she did well enough, perhaps Lucian might place her over this region of Azuria, temporarily called Linolin. It was picturesque, and she would enjoy life by the sea. But enough daydreaming. Riddell leaned forward to glare into her onyx-framed mirror. She adjusted her hair to ensure that her horns were covered before she raised her hood. True intrigue awaited her on the Serenian streets. So that was chapter two of Aurora. I hope that you enjoyed this second part of our adventure together. Um, if you'd like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at bethballbooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. To stay up to date with the world of Azuria and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. I would love for you to be a part of my reading community, The Story Enclave, and as a special thank you, for a limited time, you'll receive a free ebook copy of Aurora when you sign up. If you'd like to view a map of Azuria or find out more about the world in general, including some of the regions we've mentioned and visited thus far, you can find that at bethballbooks.com welcome. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at bethballauthor or on Twitter at groveguardian. Today's episode is sponsored by the first novel in the Age of Azuria high fantasy series, Buried Heroes, available at bethballbooks.com shop or at your favorite bookseller. Happy travels, and I hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon.